Welcome, everyone, to uh, Marlon's Corner. Excited to have you here. Marlon's Corner, of course, is a review podcast. We review a movie TV show uh, and try to give it to you in under 30 minutes so you can go back to enjoying your day. And we don't take up too much of your time. Uh, and I'm excited to bring to you uh, this uh, end of our Spooktober uh Halloween review. We're going to be wrapping things up with Night Teeth from Netflix. Uh, so please enjoy. Uh, Night Teeth uh, is a vampire film um, directed by Adam Randall and written by Brent Dillon. Um, it's important to know that for the first half of this, of course, we'll be doing a non-spoiler review. Uh, and so just giving some non-spoiler things about this film entirely. Uh, the director and the writer don't have a lot underneath their IMDb page. So this definitely kind of feels like a freshman-esque film. As you go into it, you'll notice there are some shots that definitely... Uh, could have been punched up a little bit differently. You know, there's some dialogue that definitely kind of falls flat, uh, but it's because, you know, it's being uh, helmed by a, a relatively new director and new writer. So just going in, this is going to be kind of a very uh, freshman-like film. Uh, we do have some really interesting stars in this film. Um, we, of course, have Al- we, of course, have Alfie Allen as the protagonist, Victor. Uh, we have Debbie Ryan um, as Blair, uh, Lucy Fry as Zoe, uh, Jorge uh, Lindenberg as Benny, and Raul Castillo as Jay, and Marlene Fuerte as Abuela. So it's an interesting cast and crew of individuals, uh, which, hey, I'm here for. The very diverse, very, uh, very interesting uh, is that this film is set in LA, but I know for a fact the scene where they go to the college was shot in New Orleans because he shot that scene on my uh, alma mater's campus, Loyola University. So if you've seen Happy Day to Die or any of these college-esque films, maybe even seen American Horror Story The Coven, you'll notice that there's some similarities on those uh, scenes about these colleges, uh, USC or wherever they happen to be that they all look the same because they're all shot on Loyola University's campus. So that's my fun bit of trivia there on the offset. These characters definitely have a lot of interesting things to them. I mean, overall, uh, our storyline is about um, Jorge, who plays Benny, is looking to make some extra cash one night as a chauffeur. And he has these two mysterious women that he's driving around the city, uh, L.A., for a party uh, for a night of party hopping um and then once he's on this you know uh chauffeur trip with him he realizes that these two women happen to be uh vampires and his night kind of goes uh you know a little out of control as he's kind of put in the middle of this uh of this war between rival vampires and humans uh and uh the humans that are being led by his brother who are trying to put a stop to some of this uh power plays that are being taken at night by these vampires and Benny, of course, is um, kind of put in the middle of this and has to deal with it, uh, which is a great, interesting storyline. I think, unfortunately, what we're kind of thrown into is very similar to Bright, where the beginning of the film, we have um, a lot of lore. 
That is very interesting. And instead of us kind of like seeing that or just told that, which of course is definitely a no-no, you definitely want to show us, not just tell us. And instead of just tell us, and they were kind of dropped into it. Uh, and what ends up happening is the pacing is a bit fast. The pacing is fast. People's motivations are fastly explained. Uh, and what's even worse is a lot of the combat is also uh, off screen. Um, I think that's one of the biggest um, this appointments in this film is that when we do get some of these awesome scenes with vampires, it will be amazing to see. Um, we don't get to see any of it. Um, we cut away and go somewhere else. Uh, and it's and all the violence or uh, clandestine behavior is done off camera, which more or less makes the viewer feel like, what what's going on? What? Why can I see that? Uh, and instead, we're kind of just put right back into the next scene to kind of keep the pacing going because the entire film, everything is kind of like, great, we got to go, we got to go. Um, and I think what ends up happening, again, like I said, the pacing is off and it kind of wrote a rule for itself, this film. Yeah, I don't think it needed to have, you know, have followed. And that rule was like, great, all this has to happen in one night and it's got to be over with. Um, instead of us getting maybe a prior couple of nights and then like, great, this is the night. And Sever just told, great, no, this all has to happen tonight. Uh, there's no extra time. It just has to happen now. And so with that time slot it gave itself, um, it really doesn't give itself a lot of wiggle room. It doesn't give itself a lot of time to really explore or elaborate on any of these amazing ideas. Uh, and we're just kind of left with a film that is very uh, paint by numbers uh, and it comes through as kind of like hollow. So it's really disappointed to kind of see this amazing crew come through. I mean, Alfie Allen is playing an amazing uh, character who has some really great motivation behind his actions. Um, and it really, you know, it, it's a compelling story, but we don't get a lot of in, we, we, we don't get a lot of information about it. We just kind of again are told about it, and we never get to see it. Debbie Ryan and Lucy Fry are playing two amazing uh, characters as well, uh, and. Their, their whole relationship is an off-camera relationship that we don't really know about. Uh, even the love story in this in this movie particularly is so forced and so rushed that we're kind of just left with this imbalance of, of motivation. It's I, I guess it's really breathtaking to see that it's female-led, but it's still overall it's like great. Like, why do you like each other? Why are you in love? Why? This, you know, the spoiler-free addition uh, of this is that this film is very quick. It's very sloppy, uh, and you, I'm, I'm guessing you will probably have a lot of questions that will never be answered. I'm not sure if I'm going to get a, a, a part two of Night Teeth because right now it's sitting at a 36% of Rotten Tomatoes with an audience score of 48%. Um, but yeah, you're going to leave this film really kind of disappointed in what's going on. Uh, so I. Don't recommend it to you to, to check it out. Um, it's not the the most put together film, uh, and it definitely is going to leave you uh, with a whole lot of questions that uh, that will never be answered. So that's my spoiler free uh, uh, rendition for you, real quick, just so you know. And so I'm now going to give you all some time now to you know turn this podcast off. Maybe you want to still check it out. Hey, that's fine if you do. I understand. Uh, but we're going to take some time now for you just to get ready for that. And when I come back, we'll definitely have time to go over our uh, real fun spoiler edition of Marlon's Corner. Uh, 
All right, everyone, I am back. Thank you for that nice little break there. Uh, we're now going to take a moment to go over all these spoilers. So, spoiler alert, I told you all in the beginning that there definitely was an amazing, uh, fun lore. I think when you first come into this into this movie, Night Teeth, you get an amazing, uh, awesome transition into what the story is going to be about uh, via this car traveling through town, which definitely, you know, Leads you into some really cool things. You on the car talks about uh, the war between vampires and humans, uh, particularly in LA and uh, Bishop Heights. There's this uh, there's this really uh, difficult draw uh, between humans and vampires. Like the humans dug in deep and they were able to kind of hold off this area from their control uh, and wanting to establish a truce to prevent a lot of infighting and to kind of make it easy for everyone. Um, the vampires and the humans came together with an agreement of, great, we will operate within a set uh, amount of rules to where we're not overfeeding uh, and you all won't hunt us and we'll just operate in the shadows. And they agree on that. And they also agree that, great, you can feed outside of LA, um, but you can't feed within the community that they happen to, to uh, live in, in Bishop Heights. Uh, and uh, they say, great. Along with that, there are also three other, you know, vampire rules. You know, you can't, um, you can't feed on individuals unwillingly. They have to be willing. Uh, you can't go in, in the Baldwin Heights. And, um, you know, of course, you have to uh, keep your keep vampires a secret are, are the three rules that come out of this agreement. Uh, and I think what kind of muddles all of that is they kind of ended on like, and then humans forgot all about us. Uh, it's like, I don't think that would be true. Like, as, 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 as much as time has passed, if you are a, a vampire within a city that has been established and there has been a war, uh, there's no way that that group of humans is going to be like, great, there is this big vampire thing happening, and then we all collectively forgot about it. Um, that was, I think, that I think was a writing mistake. Where, by, by saying, great, everyone forgot except for like the people in the people who protect uh Bishop Heights. It's like you didn't have to write that in there. You could have potentially maybe said, great, everyone just knows that they exist and there's just a set of rules that people abide by. That would have been a lot more believable than saying, great, vampires existed, there's a big war, and then there was a truce, and then because of like peace, everyone forgot that there existed vampires. That wasn't great. Uh, and then, as I mentioned before, the pacing was really off. Um, we meet Benny. We, we do learn from Benny that what he wants. Benny wants to make music. Benny is, you know, his whole thing about him needing money uh, is to buy equipment to make music and to, you know, become famous by his music. That's the motivation we get from Benny. That's his I want. His whole I want is I want to make music and I want to help my grandma and my family. Like that's what we get from him. By the end of the film, Benny's no longer interested in music. Outside of that I want moment with Benny, nothing really is accomplished with him. I, uh, I, another big gripe I have is the fact that he's in this you know, description of the film. It tells us that he's looking for extra work and he's a chauffeur. Instead of us getting an opportunity to see Benny be the chauffeur for a few nights and kind of you know get this established rapport of, okay, he's a chauffeur. He meets a lot of crazy people. He drops them off. Uh, instead, we're given he is... Uh, 
a chauffeur for one night. And on that night in particular, that his brother allows him to be a chauffeur, it happens to be the night where there's a big uh, vampire uh, potential uh, skirmish going on. And his brother, Jay, instead of finding some excuse to keep him safe and inside, decides, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, secretly meet up about this vampire causing trouble in L.A. But I'm also going to let my brother pretend he's me and drive my car throughout L.A., despite knowing that I have a target on my back. It just didn't really align. Like, if he's his brother who's protective, he'd be like, great, you stay home tonight. I have something to deal with. Don't go out. And he's like, no, actually, I'm going to go deal with this thing. You say you're me because, you know, I'm a part of the chauffeur company and you drive this car that that I typically drive, that I normally drive, that people all identify me as being a driver uh, of this vehicle, of this company. You pretend you're me on the same night that I'm going to go and do with this vampire thing, a vampire of which who knows me personally. Uh, it didn't really make any sense uh, to do so. And, you know, it starts off real early and you're, you're kind of like, but, but, but but why would you do this? But why? And it keeps going. There are a whole lot of writer errors, especially with Debbie Ryan and Lucy Fry, who do an amazing job as playing Blair and Zoe, um, two vampire women who are, you know, together. You know, they are, uh, they're not a couple, but they're this, this really intense friendship um, that we get told about. We never see, we just get told that, hey, Debbie became turned by um, by Lucy Fry's character. Uh, and, you know, they're like, as thick as thieves. But we're, we're, we're kind of just told that they're great friends. We more or less see that Debbie Ryan's character, Blair, is a newer vampire. So she still has some morals, whereas Lucy Fry's character, Zoe, has been a vampire for a while now. And so she's kind of intense. Uh, but they're still somehow friends, despite having those two uh, wide, and I mean wide, uh, differences in their personalities um, for God knows how long. Uh, and they're, of course, working with Alfie Allen's character, Victor, who has spent time at the bottom rung of, of the vampire pole who wants to climb to the top. And they want to do so relatively quickly. And one of, I think, honestly, the, the, the biggest issues I have with the film is that this is three vampires, uh, Zoe, Blair, and Victor. There are three of them. And they... As a trio, I'm sorry, minus Victor, as a duo, uh, proceed to go and defeat just houses of vampires almost by themselves, just with the two of them. And we're never really given a real explicit example of what powers they have. Like, we're, we kind of get that great they have generic vampire powers, strength, speed, what have you. But it's really surprising that they go up against other vampires and they don't have a group. They don't have a gang. They don't have machine guns or intense powers. They just brute force fight hordes of vampires and win. And it's really kind of not believable. I know it's a vampire film, but it's not believable that in this world where vampires do exist and there are five heads of households that... Of these five-headed households, they don't have any people strong enough or they themselves are not strong enough to take on two people or one person. And it's never really explained to us why they are specifically so strong and, you know, stronger than these other vampires. We're just They just are shown fighting off camera and the three of them always seem to win. 
case in point, Alfie Allen goes to a house uh, where where there where he is, you know, looking for the head of the house. He's looking for um, an individual, particularly, and he meets Megan Fox and Sydney Sweeney. Which, hey, Megan Fox, glad to see you, but. Megan Fox and Sydney have this aura of like being these older, wiser vampires. And you're kind of thinking to yourself, why would Alfie Allen show up where he's outnumbered at this house? Uh, and he's like, and, and he just comes and says, okay, I'm going to kill you. And they're like, no, you're not. And then in the next scene, he kills them both. And we don't see that fight scene. We don't see the discrepancy in their powers. We don't see that, oh, like Alvy Allen has like a leg up or he came with like some super vampire steroids. We just don't see it. And our left is assuming that Alfie Allen has always been the strongest character. That Victor, the character he plays, has always been the top vampire and has just never told anyone about it or... Or something is going on and we just never, ever see it. And it's really distracting because they really make a point to describe these all-powerful vampires. And then instead of showing us um, even an iota of their power, we're just so great. These strong vampires that have been around for hundreds of years, thousands of years, that we're told, um, you know, that Victor was was never allowed to to, to kind of go up in, his, in, in the in the chain of power and despite them all being older than all three of the vampires that were that were introduced to blair zoe and victor despite being the, the older vampires of the group and they are all defeated by these three people uh and it's really unbelievable and it's a real shame that that's kind of what we're introduced to that this is like the world we're, we're, we're dropped into and we're left questioning it at every single turn uh an, another thing we're left questioning is benny's character he falls in love with blair um which is really distracting because he watches blair he doesn't know vampires his first introduction into them is that there's that there's bloody money in the car there's bloody money in the car he goes into the house into the hotel that they that he drops the two characters blair and zoe into and he finds them sucking someone's blood then he finds them killing these individuals so he's witnessed two murders and then over that whole night he sees them do these terrible things but continues to fall further in love with Blair and we're never told why it'd be really interesting if maybe we find out that she was, you know, trying to, that she was using her powers on him or something, but he just falls head over heels for this Blair character uh, for no reason, despite him as a human who otherwise has never seen vampires, despite him seeing her, feed and kill people the entire night. He's like, oh, I love her so much. She's so different. Uh, it would have worked better had we maybe had a much longer time period of him being a chauffeur or driving Blair and Zoe around and like we work up to that that like love and maybe they see each other outside of it and then on that night in particular, uh, he finally sees that she's a vampire. But because we're just forced into this like, great, it, happens, it has to happen tonight, we're never really seeing their relationship kind Kind of grow we're just kind of dropped into it and are told great they love each other we're done with this uh and it and it rings hollow and what's particularly just like i think weird about this movie and that uh, took me out of completely it was at a certain point in the movie where they're like already like three or sorry where they're already like maybe 20 murders deep they ask benny can you take us somewhere safe? Which is, you know, a weird line because they're, you know, vampires who are murdering people and they're holding him hostage. They ask him to take him somewhere safe. He takes him to his grandma's house. 
and he takes them inside his grandmother's house. After being threatened by Zoe that he's going to murder him if he doesn't do what she wants him to, after witnessing them murder the people, he decides, yeah, like, I know a safe place. The home where my grandmother stays is a great safe place. And it served no purpose other than to reveal his weakness and to, again, have us another moment where he and Zoe have a cute romantic link up. But it serves nothing in this scene. It just... It makes no sense and it's poorly written and we're just kind of dropped in there. And by the end of the film, we never truly, by the end of the film, Benny never gets his I want. It's not really implied if he does his music anymore. Um, we He just winds up being turned uh, because, of course, Victor loses Zoe dies, Blair's by herself, Benny is hurt, and so Blair turns Benny into a vampire. Um, We're not really sure if Jay knows this or not, Uh, but we're just kind of thrown into a great, now it's Blair and Benny. Uh, Benny's a vampire, and it's like, does he ever go back to his music? This whole part of the movie was him wanting to release his first EP. That was his whole I want, and we don't really know if he gets that at all where it's kind of left with like great now he's a cool person who can like flex on these people he knows at college that are mean to him uh and it's just it's a sloppy wrap-up of this film and an otherwise sloppy version of this other iteration of this vampire story you know um Basically, describe it as like, what if you, what if you made interview with the with the vampire in twenty twenty one? It would be this film. Um, it was interesting, but otherwise, execution was not on point. Um, Debbie Ryan, Lucy Fry, Alfie Allen, uh, Raul Castillo, and Jorge Lindenberg Jr. Uh, they acted their best in this film. So there, right now, they committed to the role. They acted their best, but the writing, the dialogue otherwise was not great. Again, like I said earlier, this was directed and written by some very freshmen, some very green, uh, a very green director and writer, uh, and it definitely comes through. The hope is that you know they can take uh, the feedback of this film and adapt, grow into other projects down the line. But you can definitely see that this was a a very green film. This is a very rough draft film uh, in a career of these individuals, um, which I'm sure that years down the line, they might come out and say, yeah, that was a rough version. Uh, yeah, like, you know, we were, we were, we were trying to do some things that didn't work um, because, you know, th- this film had potential, but the execution otherwise was not great. Um, the set design was beautiful. I will say there was a lot of use of color in this, particularly in the venue, particularly in like the overhead shots of them driving through areas of L.A., quote unquote L.A. Um, it was really great. They had a lot of great lore nuggets. Like there in particular is this... Um, Knights Templar group that shows up that fires like sun-tipped arrows, um, which quite honestly opens up the realm of like, how do they harness sun-tipped arrows? What more do we know about them? So they they, help, they did have a lot of great lore drops in this film, but not a lot of it's explained, not a lot of it's uh, given time to kind of grow and kind of drop you into this world. You're just kind of told all of it over and over again, even dialogue. Even at some point, Jay's character... Um, goes to the first house where Blair and Zoe have murdered the head of the house and are told 
right before that head vampire dies to go to the next location. But instead of them giving him like, you know, the second location that the girls have already been to, he gives them the third location, surprisingly, so that now Jay gets to skip the second house that he probably would have gone to uh, and go meet them immediately. Uh, and you're left kind of thinking, why would they tell you where they're going? Like, why would these, why would Blair tell their murder victim, hey, I'm going to murder you, and, and uh, hey, I'm going to leave you to die, and guess what? I'm going to this location next. All right, bye now. Um, it just wasn't great writing. So, all in all, it's uh, four out of ten, maybe even a three out of ten. Honestly, if, I, if I'm being honest with myself, um, that I would rate this film. Uh, if you do want to check it out, maybe laugh at it. Be fantastic film to laugh at. Get a group of people together, watch it, get a couple of giggles going. Uh, it is very interesting. And if you are a Megan Fox fan, she looks fantastic, quite honestly. Um, and I love that she's in films like these. She's really establishing herself as uh, being in supernatural sci-fi horror films. So yeah, give support to our girl, Megan Fox. She's in this holding it down in a very lovely uh, vampire uh, ensemble. Uh, but again, folks, this has been Marlon's Corner. I appreciate you for listening uh, in the month of October. Truly uh, and grateful for for all your support in this um, we're still growing we're still getting out there we're getting our feet wet in the water of the podcast world if you have any feedback let us know you can hit me up on, at marlin's corner on instagram or on facebook uh and uh thanks for tuning in today we'll see you next time with all things in the corner and more on marlin's corner This episode of Marlin's Corner was produced in Richmond, California. 